you brought a Bible, we're going to go to the Gospel according to John, John chapter 14. Si trajo su Biblia esta noche. Vamos a ir a Juan capítulo 14 y vamos a ir al verso 27. We're going to verse 27 tonight. We have been studying the uh, the upper room discourse. Hemos estado estudiando el discurso final de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, el discurso del aposento alto. And we're going to uh, continue tonight by studying one of these uh, very important statements that Jesus makes in the upper room. Esta noche vamos a estudiar una de las grandes declaraciones que Jesús hace en el aposento alto. These words uh, were Jesus' last words to his disciples prior to the cross, and they are a life lesson for how to live the spiritual life. Estas palabras que hemos oído a Jesús declarar antes de su crucificación, su muerte y resurrección, son el discurso final, sus últimas palabras, y son la enseñanza de cómo vivir la vida espiritual. And so the upper room discourse is not just for the disciples the night before Jesus was betrayed, but it is for every disciple in every era of every age. Esto es para todos los discípulos en cada era de todas las edades de la historia cristiana. And you uh, have noticed that we've talked about the fact that we need to abide in Christ. Hemos hablado de habitar en Cristo. We uh, learned about that last week. And uh, we also talked about the need to bear fruit. Uh, hablamos de la necesidad de tener fruto. If you would put the logo up there for me, please, so that we can see uh, the individual uh, icons that we've been talking about. And uh, I want you to understand that the things Jesus is teaching are, uh, ex are part of your experience as a believer. Los, las cosas que Cristo está enseñando son parte de nuestra experiencia uh, normal como creyente. Another thing that he taught us is that the helper would come. Otra cosa que él nos enseñó es que uh, el Espíritu Santo iba a venir. And so bearing fruit and abiding in Christ is part of the normal spiritual experience. So is the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. También la vida espiritual contiene el ministerio del Espíritu Santo. We also learned that Jesus told us that we should love one another as he loved us and that the mark of his, uh, ev the evidence of his presence in our life would be love. Jesús también nos enseñó que la, la prueba de su presencia en nuestra vida es el amor. And you might say, well, Pastor, I thought that the proof that you are a Christian is that you speak in tongues and shout hallelujah louder than everybody else. Well, actually, that's not the proof. The Bible says that if you speak with all the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, you are a gong, a clinging symbol, a noise. Uh, dice la Escritura que si hablamos con muchas lenguas de ángeles y de Los hombres, pero no tenemos amor, somos un símbolo resonante, un ruido solamente. And none of us want to be a gong. None of us want to be a noise. And so love is the proof of God's activity in our life. El amor es la prueba de la actividad de Dios en nuestra vida. And so tonight we come to another uh, discussion here. We see John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said, I go away, and I will come again to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commands me. And then he said, get up and let us go from here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God, which is living and powerful. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we ask you to speak to our hearts. We invite you 
to speak to our lives, to our issues tonight, and speak to us individually, personally. And I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. Everyone say peace. Tonight we're going to talk about God's peace. Esta noche vamos a hablar de la paz de Dios. And Jesus said this. He said, my peace I leave you, and my peace I give to you. Jesús dijo, mi paz os dejo, mi paz os doy. And so I want you to uh, open your heart to hear what God has to say about this because peace is a present reality for the life of every believer. La paz es una realidad presente para la vida de cada creyente. In the Greek, uh, the word peace is the word irene, uh, which uh, we get the word, the name Irene from. Anybody in here named Irene? Uh, it's a connection to the word peace. And peace in that, in that context means the following. First of all, it means the exemption from war. La palabra en el griego, la palabra que se usa para la palabra paz es la palabra irene. Y esa palabra uh, indica la ex, la, ser exento del conflicto, ser exento de la guerra. And so first of all, we understand peace as an absence or exemption from conflict uh, and from war. Es una excepción a estar en el conflicto. There's always going to be war around you. Siempre va a haber guerra al, al, a nuestro alrededor. We're in a spiritual fight. Estamos en una guerra espiritual. And you and I will uh, be a part of that conflict until Jesus comes. Vamos a ser parte de ese conflicto espiritual hasta que Cristo venga. But that doesn't mean that we have to be at war or in turmoil in our spirit. Eso no implica que tenemos que estar en... Uh, En, de, uh, en un estado de hostilidad o de guerra en nuestro espíritu. Even though we are in a war and a warfare, we can still have peace. Aunque estamos en una guerra y una guerra espiritual, aún ahí tenemos la paz. Amen, somebody. And so that is the first thing that Jesus is saying. He's saying, you, I am leaving with you an exemption from war. So the next time that strife rises up in your life, all you have to do is just choose not to participate. Just choose not to get stirred up by the strife and the war that the enemy wants to bring into your life. Now, peace also uh, means this. It is the presence of security, safety, prosperity, and joy. La paz también implica la presencia de la seguridad, de, de uh, la prosperidad, y de la uh, felicidad o el gozo. And so when Jesus says, I'm going to leave you my peace. He's saying, I'm going to leave you my, my uh, safety. I'm going to leave you my security. I'm going to leave you prosperity. And I'm going to leave you joy. How many of you could do with those four things in your life? ¿Cuántos pudieran usar esas cuatro cosas en su vida? La, la seguridad, la prosperidad y... Uh, la felicidad, pr the, uh, safety, security, prosperity, and, and joy. Now just think about that. What is safety? Well, safety is uh, protection from incidents that are accidental or else that are an act of negligence. That's what we regard as safety. La, uh, el estar seguro en el sentido uh, en primero es que tenemos protección de incidentes que son accidentales o un acto de negligencia. And so Jesus says, I'm going to leave you safety. I'm going to give you peace. And that peace is going to provide you safety from accidental and uh, works of negligence that go on in your life. But then he says, I'll also give you security. And security is different from safety. La seguridad en el segundo sentido es que tenemos protección De la hostilidad de otros. For security, we understand that security is uh, different from safety in that security is protection from the deliberate attempts to harm us done by other people. And so the peace of God is both safety and security. And then it is prosperity. It is God's provision, God's abundance available 
in your life. La paz también es la prosperidad, la abundancia de Dios en nuestra vida, y luego es el gozo, and it's also uh, joy in our life. The sense of being um, uh, in a state of joy or happiness, to be at rest and to be content with the world around you. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you my peace. And I'm going to give you my peace, but it's not going to be like the world's peace. Jesús dice, pero mi paz no es como la paz que el mundo da. Now, how many of you have noticed there are different types there's a world's peace and there's God's peace. ¿Cuántos han notado que hay un paz que el mundo da y una paz que Dios da? And if you haven't noticed it, I want to unpack that with you tonight because it's important for you and I to realize some of you may be operating in the world's peace. Quizá algunos de ustedes esta noche están operando en la paz del mundo. And uh, first of all, I want you to understand this, that the word world there does not, not uh, regard the earth. La palabra mundo ahí no se refiere a la tierra. Jesus is not talking about the ball that you and I live on and we call earth. Uh, él no se está refiriendo a, esta, a este planeta, tierra, sino se está refiriendo al sistema del mundo, uh, el sistema del de, uh, eh, uh, el, uh, el enemigo que existe en este mundo. He's referring to the world system. All right, Jesus said this, that he said, you are of your father the devil. Jesus was explaining that the man without Christ, man without God, operates by the devil's system. That's what we call the world's system. El hombre que opera fuera de Dios opera en el sistema del mundo. Y ese sistema es un sistema de, de, diabólico, es un sistema de, de pecado. The world system works like this. You hurt me, I hurt you back, right? It's dog eat dog. It's, it's tit for tat. It's, it's, it's uh, I'm going to get even. I'm going to get revenge. El sistema del mundo es tal de que si usted me lastima a mí, yo lo voy a lastimar a usted. Si me hace un daño a mí, yo le voy a hacer un daño a usted. The world system is that you have to step on other people in order to get ahead. En el sistema del mundo, usted tiene que pisar sobre otra gente para subir adelante. El sistema del mundo funciona a través de uh, esas ideas uh, basadas en el sistema del diablo. They, they have their root in, in sin. They have their root in, in their satanic origin. And yet this world, or the world system, offers a kind of peace which Jesus is uh, contrasting his peace to. Este mundo ofrece paz, y este, esta paz es una paz falsa. This is a false peace. Now, I want to mention some things about the world's peace. First of all, the world's peace is always circumstantial. Primero, la paz del mundo siempre es um, dependiente de la circunstancia. The world's peace always depends on the circumstances that you are in. Eh, la paz del mundo depende en la circunstancia en la cual uno se encuentra. If you look at the gospel of the, uh, the book of uh, Micah, Micah chapter 3 and verse 5, si usted mira el, uh, el libro de Miqueas capítulo 3, verso 5, the Bible says this, Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray and who cry peace. When they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouth. Dice ahí el profeta, la palabra del Señor contra los profetas, los cuales declaran la paz cuando ellos tienen algo que comer, pero declaran guerra cuando les falta algo de comer o algo en su boca. Now, that's a little bit of a strange phraseology there, but I'll, I'll explain it to you. Jesus, or God is telling the prophets of Israel that there, was, there were prophets in the land who were false prophets. And this is how they worked. They worked like this. If things were going good, they said, you're blessed. God's on your side. You have God's peace. And if things were going bad, they said, you're cursed. God's against you. You must be out of the will of God. And they were, uh, they were prophesying concerning the circumstances. And that is the peace that the world gives. 
The world's peace is related to the stock market. Well, the stock market was up yesterday. Have anybody noticed that? The stock market was up yesterday. It made up everything it lost since October, according to the news. And so guess what? There's a whole lot of peace in the world today because the stock market went up yesterday. And so that's the kind of peace the world gives. What happens? The stock market loses everything it gained yesterday. Peace is gone. Now, those of you who didn't know anything about the stock market didn't lose your peace at all, right? And those of you who don't have anything in the stock market didn't lose any peace for sure. You're just as happy as you were um, the day before. But you see how the world gives peace? The world can only give peace based on your circumstances. And so you and I have to realize God did not make us to live that way. God did not make you to have peace when, you're, when your job is secure and when your bank account is nice and, and fluffy, and when the stock market is going well, and when there are all kinds of benefits coming your way, and then to lose your peace whenever things go against you, and the stock market is down, and there's insecurity at your job, and there's problems at home, you don't have to live by the up and down of your circumstances. Say amen, somebody. Your peace does not depend on your circumstances. Nuestra paz no depende de nuestras circunstancias. Si hoy está bien la economía y mañana no, yo no tengo que tener paz hoy y mañana no tener paz. Sino yo puedo tener paz hoy y mañana, no importa qué pase con la economía o qué pase con las circunstancias de mi vida. If you have a car today and tomorrow you don't have a car, guess what? You can have peace today and you can still have peace tomorrow. Say amen, somebody. Even on your bicycle, tomorrow you can still have peace. Nobody wants to say amen. But you see, the world wants to sell you circumstantial peace. The problem with it is that it goes just as quickly as events change. God's peace does not depend on events. It does not depend on circumstances. The second thing I want you to see here is that the world's peace is built on compromise with the world. La paz que el mundo da es edificada sobre el compromiso con el mundo. Now, I want you to look at this in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 1 through 5. Aquí vamos a ver algo en Isaías 33, verso 1 al 5. It says, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine, who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and seek shelter from the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will become your shame and the shelter of the shadow of Egypt your humiliation. For their prince uh, are at Zoan and their ambassadors arise in Hanes. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them. Or who are, are not a help or profit, but for shame and also for reproach. Now let me explain the context here a little bit. In the days of Isaiah, in los días de Isaías, the uh, Assyrian army came and surrounded Israel. El, uh, el ejército sirio vino y rodeó a Israel. They surrounded the capital city. Rodearon la capital de Israel. And so when Israel saw that it was vastly outnumbered and that it was going to be destroyed, cuando Israel vio que estaba en un problema, que iba a ser destruido, they went, uh, they sent uh, an envoy to Pharaoh. They sent an envoy to Egypt to get Pharaoh to come on board with them, become an alliance, so that the, uh, Pharaoh could come and protect them, so it could come and defend them. Israel, viendo esta situación, fue a, a Faraón y hizo un arreglo, una alianza con Faraón para que Faraón fuera su defensa contra los asirios. I want you to think about this. Where did Israel come out of when they came out of bondage? Who was the leader of Egypt? Pharaoh. So now they're going back to Pharaoh and they're going back to the land that enslaved them to try to get peace. Jehová los había sacado de Egipto, 
y los había sacado de debajo de, de Faraón y ahora ellos están regresando a Egipto y están regresando a Faraón para buscar paz. And this is what God says to them. He says, your, uh, number one, he says, you're executing plans without talking to me. Dios les dice, están haciendo planes sin consultar conmigo. That's not really part of the sermon, but that's a good thing to say right now. Don't make plans without talking to God. No haga planes sin consultar con Dios. And don't make deals with the devil. Say amen, somebody. No haga tratos y alianzas con el diablo. He says, you are making plans, but they're not my plans. You're making alliances, but they're not led by my spirit. Están haciendo alianzas, pero no son guiadas por mi espíritu. Y están añadiendo pecado a pecado. You are um, adding sin to sin. In other words, he's saying you're making matters worse. How many of you have ever made matters worse? By going to Pharaoh, by not talking to God, by not getting God's plan, by not being led by the Spirit, you think you're making matters better. You're actually making matters worse because Pharaoh cannot profit you. Faraón no te puede hacer provecho. And he says, Pharaoh will become your shame. Les dice, Faraón se va a hacer tu, uh, uh, tu vergüenza. Now, if you study the history, what you realize is that uh, the Assyrians went into Egypt and they carried off the Egyptians and they carried them off with a hook in their mouth chained to one another in long lines. They carried off the Egyptians and took them to, uh, to Assyria. And the Israelites saw that and there went their deliverer. There went their peace. That's the kind of peace the world gives. It says you sell a little, you can have our peace. You give a little on your righteousness. Give up a little bit on your standards of holiness. Give up a little bit on, on, the, on what you believe about God's word. Compromise a little bit. Nobody gets everything. You got to make a deal. You got to make an alliance. You've got to sell a little bit out in order to get some of this peace. And the enemy will always try to negotiate you out of your peace. He'll try to negotiate you out of your position with God. And he'll tell, he'll tell our young people, well, you know, of course that's what the Bible says, but God didn't really mean it like that. He'll tell husbands and wives, you know, God really didn't mean it like that. And if you sell out and you compromise, that peace is going to lead you into bondage. Because the flesh profits nothing. La carne no provecha para nada. Several years ago, I was preaching this text in, uh, in, in uh, the city of Houston. And a man walked into the service. Hace muchos años, varios años, estaba predicando este pasaje en un servicio. Y entró un varón, se sentó. And he was literally only in there about 30 seconds. When he walked in, these were the words I was speaking as he walked in. I said, don't make a deal with the devil. And he sat down, he got up, and walked back out. I said, well, I guess he didn't like it. What I didn't know was that earlier that day, his daughter had been kidnapped. And then his daughter had been uh, found, and they had rescued her and so on. And just before he came into church, y'all just think about this, all right? This is just before he came into church. He called some of his old contacts. Hopefully none of you have old contacts. But he called some of his old contacts, and he told them who to look for and what to do with them. He basically hired a hitman in the church parking lot. And when he walked in the door, God spoke to him, don't make a deal with the devil. And he walked out and when he canceled the contract. What would happen to that man if he had made that deal? There would be blood on his hands. He'd be in prison. He would have lost everything he was trying to protect. And that's the kind of peace the world gives. It is a peace that requires you to compromise. It requires you to give something up. But what you don't realize is that you end up giving up everything. And God says to them, don't do that. And so what does Hezekiah do? 
Instead of making his alliance with Egypt, who's been defeated and carried off, he goes and does something spectacular, something groundbreaking, something revolutionary. He goes and he prays. Ever tried that? And he goes and he gets the prophet of God, Isaiah, to pray. And as they're praying, God says to Isaiah, tell the king not to worry. I've got this thing under control. To Hezekiah, um, he tells, tell Hezekiah, I've got this under control. And the Bible says that the Lord sent one angel over the army of the Assyrians. And that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. God doesn't need you to make any deals for him. Say amen, somebody. I said, God doesn't need you to make any deals for him. If you will trust him, you can have his peace. And it is a real and a lasting peace. Number three, the world's peace whitewashes the problem. Número tres, en la paz que el mundo da solamente cubre la, la realidad del problema. You realize that uh, the world offers a kind of peace, but it is only a cover-up. It is only a whitewashing of the real problem. Look at what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel 13.10 says, Precisely because they have misled my people, saying peace, when there is no peace, and because... When the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Here we have again the false prophets. And the false prophets are telling Israel, your sin's not a problem. It's okay. God understands. God knows. And they're whitewashing Israel's sin. Los profetas dice aquí en Ezequiel, uh, el capítulo el capítulo 13, verso 10, que los profetas falsos declaraban que el, el pecado de, de Israel no era muy gran problema y lo lavaban en blanco. Now listen, this is what the world's peace does. The world's, the world's peace uh, will always whitewash the real problem. Listen, the world says, well, the reason you're unhappy is because of that man you're married to or that woman you're married to. Well, the reason you're unhappy is because uh, you, can't get, you can't get enough money or you can't get enough of this or the other. And the fact is this, that the reason you're unhappy is because you're not doing things God's way. And until you do, you can't have true joy. And so the world whitewashes the real reason. And you don't deal with sin, and you don't deal with your, un, uh, uh, with your disobedience, and the result is you don't have any peace. But you know there's peace that comes when you do things God's way. And instead of washing over sin, you deal with it. What happens when you confess your sin? The Bible says this, David said it like this, he said, Until I confessed my sin, it was rotting to my bones. But when I confessed my sins... He was saying healing came. And, and David was expressing the fact that until we deal with the problem for what it is, we're not going to have health and we're not going to have peace in our life. And so we can whitewash it and we can say, well, it's because I have needs. Or, well, it's because I, I needed it in that moment. Or, well, it's because it's just the way things are. And someday, someday I'll, I'll live right. But, but right now I just got to make ends meet. Friend, as long as you reject God's way and you try to do it man's way and try to do it the world's way and you just whitewash over the problem, that problem is not only still there, but it's growing and it's going to become rottenness, rottenness to your bones. It's going to eat away at you. But when you bring it to God and you confess it and you put it under the blood, that thing no longer has power to corrupt your life. And now you can have the peace of God. Come on, somebody. Now you can have the peace of God. Because you see, it's hard to stand in God's presence when there's sin in your life that's unconfessed and feel at peace. But when you are forgiven, when you have put it under the blood, when you have allowed Jesus to wash it away, not to whitewash it, but to wash it in the blood and put it away forever, you have complete peace with God. You no longer stand accused or condemned, but you have peace and perfect peace with God. Say amen, somebody. So Jesus says, my peace is not 
like the world's peace. Jesús dice, mi paz no es como el mundo, que el, como la paz que el mundo da. I, I attended high school in a high school that was very old. It was built in the 1930s. And it uh, seemed like every year what the maintenance crew would do was paint the doors. Every year they paint the doors. So that, you know, that paint was thick. And they never, they never fixed the doors. They never replaced the doors. They just covered over the doors. God, God's peace is not just to cover over stuff. It's to repair and replace. It's to do a complete work in your life. And so God's not just trying to, to cover it up. He's trying to heal it. He's not just trying to cover it up he's, or, or cover it over. He's trying to get to it and directly deal with the issue of your life. And if you will let him deal with it, he will. Say amen, somebody. Now, what is God's peace? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Ahora vamos a hablar de la paz de Dios. Number one, I want you to understand this. The peace of God is a revelation. Say that with me. The peace of God is a revelation. La paz de Dios es una revelación. I want you to say this with me. Lord, give me a revelation of your peace. Now, you've heard me say this before. I have said the love of God is a revelation. I've said abundance is a revelation. Now I'm saying that peace is a revelation. What in the world is Pastor Isaac talking about when he's talking about these revelations? He's talking about the book of Revelation, that scary book in the back of the Bible. What am I talking about when I say that peace is a revelation? ¿A qué me refiero cuando yo digo que la paz de Dios es una revelación? Well, a revelation is simply this. It's when God allows you to see spiritually and uh, accept as true spiritually what cannot be seen in the natural. How many of you uh, are saved? I mean, you know it. You're saved, right? How do you know? When you look in the mirror, you have a card in your wallet that says, Salvo. How do you know? You know by revelation. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are born again. So in the natural, you can't see it. You can see the effects of it. You can see that your life changed, your speech changed, your habits changed. Say amen, somebody. Your, your, the places you frequented changed. All of that changed, but in, in the natural, you can't see it. You can see the effects of it, but you know it by revelation. The same is true with God's abundance. How many of you know that God has prospered you? You may not always see it, but you know it. How many of you know you have God's love, that God loves you? How do you know? Did God send you a valentine? A heart-shaped box of, box of chocolates? A helium balloon that said, you are mine? How do you know? You know by revelation. And that revelation is, a, is a, a, an opening up of your spiritual eyes so that you can see in the spirit what God sees. Una revelación es cuando Dios te da la habilidad de ver en lo, espir en lo espiritual lo que Dios es, lo que es la realidad. So listen, I'm going to use love as an example because that's one that you're, you're more familiar with. If I came up, if not I, but if somebody came up to you and said, God does not love you, they couldn't talk you out of that with a, a million dollars. They couldn't talk you out of it with a billion dollars. They couldn't talk you out of it with a trillion dollars. If someone came up to me and said, there is no God, they couldn't talk me out of knowing God for nothing. Why? Because I have a revelation. I've already seen in my spirit there is a God. I've already seen in my spirit that there is a God who loves me. I already know that my God has an abundant supply for all of my needs. So guess what? God's peace is a revelation. 
That's why you, you need to understand that, that. And the reason you need to understand that is because uh, if you don't understand that it's a revelation, you're going to determine your peace by circumstances and not by spiritual realities. Now go to Jeremiah chapter 33. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 5. Vaya Jeremías capítulo 33. Now, this is a very well-known chapter in a very well-known verse. It's right there in verse 3. Uno de los textos más citados, ahí está en Jeremías 33, 3. Most of you probably know this one by memory. Jeremiah 33, 3, what does it say? Call upon me, and I will answer you, and I will show you. What does it mean to show, to reveal? I will show you what? Great and Mighty things which you know not. You guys know that one? You got it memorized? He said, Jeremías 33, 3, clama a mí. Muy conocido el texto. Yo te responderé, te enseñaré cosas grandes y dificultosas que tú no conoces. Now, don't just stop there, but look down at verse, at verse uh, 5. And he says, while they are coming... Uh, the Chaldeans, and I will fill them with corpses of men, and I will slay them in my anger and my wrath. So God says, I'm going to defeat your enemies, and I have hidden my face from this city. Behold, for all of their wickedness. Verse 6, behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will what? I will reveal to them what? An abundance of peace and truth. Now, when he says, call upon me, I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. What's he talking about? What is he showing me? Number one, he's showing me the defeat of my enemy. Say amen, somebody. And then he says, I will show you health and healing. You know, health and healing is a revelation. And then he says, and I will show you an abundance of peace and truth. God wants to show you his peace. He wants to show you his abundant peace. Now listen, let me give you an image of this so you can try to understand how this works. When, when the death angel came over Egypt on the night of the Passover, for example, Cuando el ángel de la muerte pasó sobre Egipto en la noche de la Pascua. On the outside, in every house where there was no blood over the door, the firstborn of every house was dying. Adult or child, every firstborn died. And there was wailing, and there was terror, and there was fear all over the streets of Egypt. But in the house of the believers, with the blood applied over the doorpost. There was not wailing. There was not fear. There was not terror. There was joy. There was feasting. There was safety. There was security. In other words, there was peace. Now, you have two pictures. The terror of the Egyptians, the peace of Israel, the same second, the same minute, that there's one out here, there's the other over here. Now, this is how revelation works. Because if you're standing in the streets of Egypt, you're seeing in the natural death and terror and destruction. But if you have a revelation, you know that I have peace in the house. I have security in the house. I have safety in the house. And what's going on around me does not define me. Say amen, somebody. What's going on around me does not define how I feel. So all hell can break loose around me, and I'm still going to have peace in the night, and I'm still going to have a feast on my table, and I'm still going to have security, and I'm still going to have joy. Say amen, somebody. The peace of God is a revelation, and God wants you to have that revelation. La paz de Dios existe en la casa mientras hay muerte y peligro en la, en la calle de Egipto. Entonces así es que aunque haya muerte y 
y haya terror en la calle si usted tiene una revelación de la paz de Dios usted no va a dejar que lo que está ocurriendo a su alrededor afecte su paz say I have peace I told you last week, this is like king of the hill, all right? Well, once you get on that hill called peace, don't let anybody push you off. Usted ya está parado en esa revelación. Yo tengo paz. You did not say, I'm going to get some peace. What did you say? What did you say? I have peace. How can I say that? Because Jesus said, my peace I give to you. So if Jesus gave me peace, I can say, I have peace. So the next time things get upset in your life and the apple cart gets, gets upset in your life and there's turmoil or terror in your life, you just need to recognize, I have peace. I have peace. I carry peace with me. Wherever I go, there's peace. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because I have God's peace. I have a revelation of this fact. It is not something that's going to happen. It is something that has already happened. It is not something I'm going to possess. It is something I already possess. Amen, somebody. It's, it's not something I'm going to receive. I have received it. I have God's peace. Say it again. I have peace. Now, how do we have this peace? Listen to Isaiah 53, verse 5. ¿Cómo es que tenemos esta paz? Isaías 53, verso 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him, the chastisement was brought for our peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Listen, guys. The cross of Jesus Christ has purchased your peace. La cruz del Señor Jesucristo ha comprado tu paz. Herido fue por nuestra rebelión y molido por uh, nuestras iniquidades y el castigo de nuestra paz cayó sobre de él. What do we mean now? We understand this. We have peace with God and we have peace with man because of the blood of Jesus. Tenemos paz con Dios y paz con el hombre por la sangre de Cristo Jesús. So say it again. I have peace. Are you blood bought? Are you under the blood? Then you can say, I have peace. You know how, how true this is? I want you to notice this. This is so true. You have peace in your life to such a degree that when people come into your life, they leave encouraged. When they come into yours, into your life, they get peace. That's how, that's how real this is. That there's something in you that's so real and so, so abundant that people who don't even try to walk away with some of your stuff. Say amen, house of God. That's what you carry. The peace of God. When I was a, a leader of a mission team in the Amazon, you just think about it was the Amazon jungle, 30 hours by barge into the jungle, and I had 20 15 to 18-year-olds under my leadership. That will give anybody a loss of peace right there. And people would say, Pastor Isaac, the team will get agitated, they'll get nervous, and then you walk in the room and there's just peace. And you haven't said a word, but just your presence brings peace. That's the reality of your life. Nobody said amen because he said, Pastor, I don't know about all that. You're, you're Pastor Isaac. You're, you're a man of God. I, I don't think it works like that for me. If it doesn't work like that for you, it's because you haven't gotten a revelation of the fact that I have peace. And when I walk into any situation, God can put his word on my mouth and he can give me anointing to bring every hostile strategy of Satan to a halt and declare the peace of God in that situation. Come on, somebody. You have peace. And that peace is so powerful and so prominent. 
that it can, it can affect the lives of other people and encourage the lives of other people so that when they walk away, they walk away with the peace of God. And it is an abundant peace that God has prepared for you. This peace is permanent. Say permanent. Look at Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54, verse 10. It says, For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace I shall not remove, says the Lord. Look at what God says there. The mountains may move and the hills may depart. What would it take for mountains to move? If a mountain moves, something bad has happened. Wouldn't we all agree? Si se mueve un monte, algo mal ha pasado. A few years ago, there was an earthquake, that uh, a tsunami in Asia. It was so powerful, it moved South America by two inches. That's crazy. God says this. Even if the mountains move, I will not remove my peace. Dice Jehová, aunque los montes sean conmovidos, yo no quebraré mi pacto de paz. Listen to what he says there. He says, it is a covenant of peace. That's why you can't go make covenants and treaties with the world for peace because you already have a covenant. You already have a contract, and that co contract is a covenant of God's peace over your life. Two more things I want you to know here. Number, number, the next thing is that this peace is accessed by prayer. Somebody say pray. The Bible says this. You know this. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything. About what? Be anxious for what? Nothing. Not about anything. That's anything. That's don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. Not the small things, not the big things. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Where? In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And what's going to happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Notice this verse real carefully now. It doesn't say the peace of God will come. The peace of God is already present. What it does is it keeps you in Jesus because that's where the peace is. It guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So if you want peace, pray. And when you pray, you're going to get a revelation. I already have peace. I'm standing in Jesus. Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my safety, my security. He is my prosperity. He is my joy. Say it again. Pray. Are you anxious about something tonight? Pray. And when you pray, God says, I'm going to give you a revelation of the fact you're already standing in my peace. If you're standing in Jesus... Peace is already there. All you have to do now is enjoy it and experience it. The last thing here is that peace, the peace of God, is rooted in the word of God. Finalmente, la paz de Dios está arraigada en la palabra de Dios. Psalm 119 and verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your word. Dice ahí, Gran paz tienen los que aman tu palabra. That's why it's been said that if your Bible is falling apart, your life is not. If you love the word, you're going to have peace in your life. So get in your Bible and study the life of 
and the glorious truth that's in that word. And that life is going to produce in you peace. It's going to produce in you a revelation of the fact God's in control. God's in control. God's word is living and powerful. You remember that? Sharper than any two-edged sword. So study the life that's in the scriptures. And he says, great peace have those who love my law, who love my word. So if you want to have peace in your life, stop making deals with the world. Stop making treaties with the world. Stop looking at your circumstances and look at God who rides and rules over circumstances. Get in the word of God and declare that what he has said is true in your life. Get that life-giving word into your spirit. That's why I'm glad you came to church tonight. Some people looked outside and they saw the dark clouds and the wind and the rain and they said, no way, Jose. But you said, I've got to go to the house of God. I've got to hear the word. Why? Because there's life in the word. Some people stay at home and watch Fox News. There's no life in Fox News. They stay at home to, to read a magazine. There's no life in that magazine. Life is in the word. Great peace have those who love my word. And so tonight, Jesus' promise to you is this. I have given you my peace. It's not like the world's peace. It is a peace that lasts. It is a peace that surpasses human knowledge. It is a peace that cannot be comprehended or measured by human experience or human will. It is a peace that only God can give. And that peace is yours tonight by faith. Will you say it again? I have peace. Let's stand together. Almost up on Edno's APA. Just raise your hands to heaven and let your requests be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses knowledge, well, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Don't let anything talk you out of your peace tonight. Or any night from this night on. When the darkest nights of your, of your life arise. When the greatest winds blow. And howl against your life. You stand on this bedrock assurance. I have peace. It is a revelation of peace. It is an abundant peace. It is great peace. It is blood-bought, Christ-guaranteed peace.